Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. Over 3,000 people's lives were lost. That attack was one of the greatest attacks that ever hit the United States. But in that attack, if you notice that our country came together. There was such a unity and a oneness in our country that we all bound together. After 20 years of this attack, our country still recognizes that day. Cheryl and I have been to New York, and we've seen when the Twin Towers were there, and then we've been to New York when the Twin Towers were not there. And we found that there was a void of not seeing those Twin Towers when we went back the second time. You know, right now, our country is under attack. How many can agree with that, right? Our country is under attack, and one of the ways that we're under attack is obviously is COVID-19 and also with the government and all what's going on in our society and in our world. But because of this attack, today I want to talk to you about rebuilding good ships and bad ships. Our country has been under attack, and because we've been under attack, one of the things that is happening that the enemy loves to separate and divide our people, and especially people from being friends with one another. During this isolation, we are finding ourselves that we have been isolated with the ones that we love the most, the friends that used to hang out with all the time. We are finding ourselves in a place of isolation, and the enemy knows that there's two or three are gathered there. God is in the midst of us. The enemy knows that there's strength in numbers, that what he is trying to do, he's trying to separate us as a country, as a nation, as a world. He's trying to separate the churches. He's trying to separate individuals. But most of all, he's trying to separate us from our friends so that we lack in power and strength to continue on. And I'm here to tell you today, we as a church need to rise up and say, enemy, you steal no more. The Bible says in, in Joel chapter 2, verse 22, he said, those are the years that the locusts have been stealing, he's going to return back to us. And I'm here to tell you today, devil, you're giving back that which you have stolen from our country, from us as individuals, enough is enough, and it's about time that the church puts his foot down and says, no more are we going to accept this in Jesus' name. We are marching on for the glory of God. We have been too passive. The Bible says that the violent take it back by force. It's time that the church rises up and says, no, we are going to become normal. We are going to be radical and fanatical for Jesus, and we're going to let our voice be known. Somebody say amen. Amen. And one of the things that we need to let our voice be known about is in friendships. If you have your notes, there are good ships and there are bad ships. But the best ships are friendships. How many can relate to what I'm talking about? That the best ships are friendships. When I was putting this sermon together, my, one of my favorite movies, and I know and I'm dating myself for you young people back in those days, they wore bell bottoms. But I'm here to tell you, for those that wear skinny jeans, skinny jeans is now going out and now it's coming back to loose jeans. Can you believe that? So I hope you kept, I hope you kept your loose jeans because the loose jeans coming back out. Skinny jeans is going out, loose jeans coming back in. Get those low riders again. Get those boot cuts again. Amen. So, hey, they're coming back out. Just hold on to your clothes. My wife said, honey, why do you got three closets full of clothes? Because they're coming back. Amen? And so they're coming back. But, you know, one of the uh, favorite movies that I love is a movie called Brian's Song. 
And you've ever seen the movie Brian's Song, it's about a relationship between Brian Piccolo and Gail Sayers. In that movie, that's a portrait of my life. Seriously, that is a portrait of my life. And every time I watch that movie, I break down and I start to bawl. Because that's me and Kelvin Hudson, Alan Wainwright, Stephen Floyd. All of them were African Americans. And I trained with them just like you see on Brian Piccolo. And I cry because, man, when Gail Sayers gets up to the podium after the fact of just receiving the most valuable player award, one of the things that he says, he starts to cry and he starts to have a show in motion. And one of the things he says... I love Brian Piccolo, and I want you to love him too. So when you sit, go to bed tonight, will you say a prayer for my friend, Brian Piccolo? And every time he gets to that place in the movie, I break down crying because that is what friendship is all about. He didn't recognize his achievements or his awards or his honors that he was getting. He recognized his friend. And what God wants us to do as a church is to recognize and to, man, to get together again, to get reacquainted with those who support us, those who make us sharper, those who make us better in life, and those are good ships. But in Ecclesiastes, I love what Solomon says, one of the wisest men, if not the wisest man on the planet. And he gives us a description about good and bad. And look what he said. There was a man all alone. All alone. Man, how many of you know that the enemy loves to attack you when you're all alone? You never notice when you're driving, when you're home alone, when you're all by yourself, that's when temptations come up. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? Man, that's when the enemy loves to attack. He loves to put thoughts in your mind. I can't wait. Man, I'm so excited. I'm, like I said, I always plan way out our next series. I'm so excited about March 7th. We're doing Rescue 911. Wait till you see Rescue 911. Then after we get done with Rescue 911, we're going into a series called Mind Games. The devil loves to play mind games with you. So that's my next two series, Rescue 911, then Mind Games. But you know what? He loves to play mind games with you when you're all alone. But then he goes on to say, he had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For he said this, watch this, for whom am I toiling, he asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Did you get that? Now watch this. I, I, I love this. And then he changes direction. He recognizes and realizes that you can have all the wealth in the world, all the material goods in the world, but that's only a temporary fix. That's only a temporary shot in the arm, and that's only temporary joy because you know what? Once you get that fix, you're already like a drug addict that's ready to move on to the next fix. You're always trying to find enjoyment in things. But he realizes this. He says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one, no friend to help them up. Then he goes on. Watch what he says. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, 
two can defend themselves, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And what is the enemy desiring to do? He wants to separate and divide because the Bible says, where two or three agree, there I am in the midst of you. Where two or three are gathered, there I am. And what he wants to do, he wants to separate and divide. And where he wants to separate and divide is in friendships. When was the last time you really talked with your friend? When was the last time that you went out with your friend? When was the last time maybe you called your friend? You see, the enemy was trying to divide you to make you weak so he can pounce on you. There's strength in numbers. What does friends do? Friends sharpen, they encourage, they support. And that's what he said. But Solomon, in verses 8 and 9, if you read there, in verses 8 and 9, he says that it was a chasing after a wind. And everything that he thought was important was really nothing. As he says, it was meaningless. And if you have your notes, nobody remembers all your accomplishments they remember your good deeds and your friendships. And what Solomon was saying, he said, listen, I toiled and I worked and I saved and I did this. And there's nothing wrong with having a nest egg and all these kind of things. I always say this. People always, and I want you to write this down in your, in, in your heart. Get this in your knower. This is why a lot of times the enemy comes and steals from you because you give them permission to steal from you. You know what we always say when we got our savings account? Here's our old cliche. This is my, my nest egg. This is my savings for a rainy day. What is a rainy day? A rainy day means storm. So guess what? If you're saying I got the savings for a stormy and a rainy day, guess what? You asked for it, you got it, Toyota. You know what I always say? No, this is my seed to bless others and to bless my family. You need to reverse the curse and stop speaking over your seed that this is rainy day seed. No, this is a blessing seed for my family, for blessing others. That's why I a lot of times the enemy has permission because you gave it to him. This is my stormy seed. Okay, I'm coming to take it. Your car broke down. You asked for it. You got it. My house got it. Man, furnace broke down. You asked for it. You got it. That's a storm, correct? It's about time you start sowing seed and say, listen, God bless my seed. Bless my savings. Man, so I can further the kingdom, so I can bless my family, so I can be blessed in my walk. So many times, stop speaking over your seed that this is your stormy seed. No, this is my blessing seed. Come on, somebody say amen. You understand what I'm saying? And so many times we do that. When a person dies, people don't say they will miss your money, but miss your friendship. And the things you did together. How many know what I'm talking about? Man, when my uh, father-in-law passed away, man, they had so many pictures of my father-in-law that it was unbelievable. But they could only put up, only, only put up seven, or excuse me, eight easels. They put up eight easels. Randy, and Randy, you were there. And they had eight easels of those big poster board things placed on easels, and man, they had so many pictures that man, before it was over, man, you had a hundred different memories of him. But you know, one of the greatest things about my father-in-law is that everybody, when they stood up in the service, had a story to tell about him. And you know, that's what people are going to remember. What kind of impression or impact are you making in the people that you are around? You see, listen, we can't take material things to heaven. But you know what we can take? People can take with them memories of you. And I love this. A picture paints a thousand words. And what you've done together, how you laughed together, did life together, that's friendship. 
That's what friendship is all about. But if you notice what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, going back to verses 9 and 12, he learned the secret. The secret is, listen, I've toiled, I've sacrificed, I've given up things. You know, there's times in my life, I have to be honest, because I've been a pastor, and everywhere I've gone, you know, in the, in the times that I've been a pastor 39 years and all the building programs that I've been in and all the things that I had to do, there are times that I have to admit that I've sacrificed my family and I sacrificed friends over busyness. And because of that, you know, when I moved and I left this church or I left that church, you know one of the things that I left when I left from those churches? Here's what I left. I left with regret that why when I was at this church or that church did I not spend more time with such and such or so and so. And so many times we as people are left with regret because we get caught up in the busyness of life instead of investing in other people's lives. And what God wants us to do, when you make a deposit in someone's life, guess what's going to happen? There's going to be a withdrawal that you're going to get back from them soon and very soon. When you know what the old cliche is, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. Friendship is scratching one another's back when there's an itch. When you got an itch, they'll scratch yours. And when they got an itch, you're going to scratch theirs because that's what friendship is all about. But a lot of times we get caught up in the busyness of this world that we're not investing into friendships. How I many can know what I'm talking about? But go back to verses 9 through 12. Look what he said. Two are better than one. Wow. Isn't that cool? Two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to pick them up. And then he goes on, watch this. Also, if two lie down, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The body heat of others. You know, when you walked into this room, the temperature of this thing was set up to about 70. But the moment you walked into this room, if you look onto that thermometer or that, that, that the thermostat, guess what? It's jumped up to 73 degrees. You know why? Because there's body heat here. You see, sometimes we need body heat of one another. And body heat brings warmth, it brings comfort, it brings peace, it brings strength, it brings assurance that it's going to be okay. Today, in our midst today, I have a friend here. Yeah. And I love this brother so much. I pray for him every day. And he gives me body heat. I love him. And he has such a great attitude for what he's going through in life. He's my hero. He's my friend. And that buddy is Michael Swanson. I, I love that buddy. I love you too, man. I love that guy with all my heart. Every time I see him, he's my parking lot buddy. The first time I ever met him was in the parking lot. He gave me a bear hug. It almost knocked the breath out of me. And I said, anybody can do that. He's my friend. But Michael Swanson and Lucy have been absent from our presence for quite a while because of uh, Michael's situation. But I'm here to tell you today, your prayers, our prayers. 
two or three agree, friends coming together, there's no limit to what God can do. Michael's cancer is shrinking. Not only is his cancer shrinking, when have you ever, ever heard that the bones in his back are growing over where the cancer was? It's making the cancer disappear. Come on now, give the Lord praise. There are good ships and there are bad ships, and that's a good ship. That's my buddy. Here he comes. Come here, my friend. This is my buddy. I'll tell you, God is so good. And I, I'm telling you, well, I told him I'd probably cry. I love you too, man. I love you, buddy. I love you too, man. One thing I want to say is that they told me at the hospital that I would never get cured. They said this stuff would never go away. They were hoping to keep it at a level. They said they didn't think I was going to be able to live very long. But they were wrong. And I told them, I said, I have a bigger crew than you do. I have the Lord in heaven. And I have all these people and this man right here praying for me. And all I can say is that never, ever give up. Have a good faith and believe in the Lord. And I love them all. My buddy. Wow. Hallelujah. Let me get my composure a minute, Molly. Ray. I tell you guys, good. I, I, I love how you're coaching hockey. I'm changing subject to get my composure for this minute. I love I love how you uh, are doing hockey. Uh, you're you're so good with those kids and I I love that. You're 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 amazing. You're amazing. And I saw your Facebook page and I think I commented on it. But I, I really am proud of you. All right, back together. All right. It takes a lot out of me, seriously, because I love you guys so much. And my heart goes to people. That's why I always say I love people of God. Wow. I expect a miracle. I expect a miracle I expect a miracle come on I anticipate the inevitable supernatural intervention of God I expect a miracle Recall. You expect that? I expect a miracle. I expect a miracle. Father, let your Holy Spirit fall in this place today. Fill the brokenness. Fill the voids of every heart, every individual God. I pray from the crowns of their head to the soles of the feet that the power of your Holy Spirit will bless them, that you will minister to where the needs are great with every family here today. I break off every chain, every lie, every assignment, every attack, and I cover every individual here today with the blood of Jesus. 
knowing that, God, you want to bless them and they're going in and they're going out to whatever they put their hands to doing, it will prosper. I pray in Jesus' name that right now that you will instill within them again the assurance and the confidence that everything is going to be okay, that they can say to their mountain, be cast into sea and have no doubt in their heart, but believe in what they said. It shall and it will be done in Jesus' name. And so, Father, I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now I'm going to get it back on track. I got a feeling, amen. All right, but Solomon, if he said, ooh, yeah, you, you got to understand what I'm feeling right now. I'm telling you, I can just feel the Holy Spirit ready to transition into letting the Holy Ghost move. But uh, Solomon, uh, he says here, Solomon learned that money couldn't buy him happiness, but friendship could. And... Uh, my greatest joys in life, if you ever want to know what joy is, write this down. If you want to know what joy is, because this is not in, my, in your notes, you know what joy is? Joy stands for Jesus first, others second, and yourself third. If you want joy in your life, put Jesus and others before you, and then joy will start to come to you. And I've always found in my life that, God, I want you first. And then I want others second, and then myself third. And I've always found if I operate in those three stages or steps of life, that God fills me to full of joy. People always say, Pastor, you're like Tigger. You bounce all over the place. You bounce and you're like Tigger. you got all this energy. Well, I get energy because of you. Because I put Jesus first, others second, and myself third. When I empty out and get full of him, that's when the joy of the Lord truly and ultimately becomes my strength. So I want to encourage you. We are all built to have relationships and friendships to help keep us sharp. How many of you know that's true? We all, I don't know about you, but I, I, I get crazy. I get stir crazy when my wife is gone. I get stir crazy when I'm not around people. I am not one of those lone rangers. I need to have you in my life. And because I recognize that, it, number one, it keeps me accountable. Number two, it keeps me sharp. Number three, it keeps my mind from being busy with other things. And so it keeps me active. So I got to be involved with people. In Proverbs 27, 17, it says these words. And I love what Solomon again says. He says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So what is our role as friendship? To sharpen, to encourage, and to strengthen one another. Pity the man who doesn't have a friend to pick him up when he falls. Our role is to support and to encourage and to sharpen each other. And so that's what God wants us to do. Listen, friendships are to keep us focused, on track, and be filled with the void of loneliness. That's what friendships is all about, to fill you with the void of loneliness, keep you on track. That keeps you accountable. Man lifts you up and says, hey, you can make it when you think you can't. That's what friendship should be. I don't know about you, but the other day I got a card from my sister. Out of nowhere, I got a card from my sister Gail. And she sent me this card. She says, brother, she calls me baby brother. Even though I'm the second old, I mean the, the, the oldest son, the oldest brother, I'm still the baby brother. I don't know how that works. My brother Rick is younger than me, but she calls me baby brother. So everything she addresses me, baby brother, I just want to let you know that how much I love you and how proud I am of you. And she said, I watch you on live stream all the time. She said, I just want you to know how proud of you I am. 
And I opened that up. I kid you not, Daniel. I opened it up in front of the post office in my truck, and I started to cry because my sister recognized me at that time. And you know what? When God speaks to you, please hear me. When God prompts you or inspires you to call someone or write a letter to someone, don't avoid it because that person may be in need at the time. And that's why God is speaking to you. And when I got that card from my sister, I kid you not, I needed it for that moment. You asked Sue Skalecki, you asked Pastor. Pastor Carolyn, I reached out to them and I said, hey, I need your prayer because I was going through some real tough pressures of what was happening here in the church and the decisions I had to make. And then that card came. Man, it was at the right moment, the right season. It was a spark that ignited the flame in my heart again. And God uses you to be that spark, to be that flame, to be that igniter for someone that maybe the fire has gone out. And so that's what he says. And so iron sharpens iron, and so does one man sharpen another. Henry Ford says this, the best friends is the one who brings out the best in me. That's what Henry Ford says. The best friend is the one that brings out the best in me. Are you hanging out with people that are bringing out the best in your life, that are making you grow and challenging you and inspiring you? That's why every time I step into this pulpit, I know that I'm going to see some of you only once a week and maybe twice every other week. You know what? And so sometimes I feel like a hit-and-run accident. I'll hit you on Sunday, and then maybe I won't see you till next week or maybe two weeks. So every time I see you, my challenge as a pastor is to encourage you, inspire you, and challenge you. And so I need to challenge you, encourage you, inspire you to go on in life. And that's what friendship is all about, that I want to encourage you, challenge you, and inspire you. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, look at what Paul says. He's talking about bad ships. Bad ships are this. So watch this. He says this. Do not be misled. In other words, deceived, be misled, confused. Just because it feels good doesn't mean it is good. Did you hear that? Just because it feels good doesn't mean it is good. So you got to remember that. Oh, I feel good, and this feels good, and we're this compatible, whatever. Bad company corrupts good character. How many of you know character? When you think of the word character, you know what it kind of reminds me of? When I was a kid, I would take golf balls. How many of you ever taken a golf ball and you cut it in half? And the reason why you do it is because inside the golf ball, what happens? There's all those rubber bands, right? And you cut through all those rubber bands, and then inside there's a core into the golf ball. And it's fascinating. Do it one time. You got an old golf ball? Check it out. All of a sudden, those rubber bands start snapping at you. And all of a sudden, you got to get to the core. The whole point of that, our character is like a golf ball. You know what your character is? You ever think about your character? Your character is this. Your character is your trust. Your character is your word. Your character is your honesty. Your character is your loyalty. Your character is your commitment. It's all interwoven together. So when they say, hey, that man over there, he has great character. Man, he has impeccable character. I had an interview on the phone the other day, and I'm walking through Sam's Club in Stillwater. I took my wife to uh, get a massage at a chiropractor that does uh, massages for people who had strokes, and it was down in Stillwater. And I'm walking through Sam's Club while my wife is getting uh, her massage, and I had a job uh, application I had to fill out for an individual. And the lady was talking to me, said, hey, how long have you known this guy? Who are you to him? I said, well, I'm his friend. I'm his pastor. And you know what I said? I said, in the notes, 
I read, gave all the questions, I did all the things, and I said, in the notes, I want you to do me a favor. This young man is absolutely impeccable. He is the most above character guy that you can ever see. If you're wanting to hire somebody, this is the man you want to hire. And she said to me, she said, really? I said, absolutely. And you know what she said after that? She said, that is good to hear. You see, people don't care how much you know. They want to know how much you care. And caring is showing your character. Your caring is showing who you are. Character is not just a one-word plural word. It has many facets to it. Your character is your trust. Your character is your bond. Your character is your word. Today in our society, we have to have a contract that's 47 pages long before we can write it off. Because you know what? Before in the olden days, we'd have a handshake. And that was our character. That was our word. That was our bond. But nowadays we have to have 47 pages or whatever to sign before we get the agreement. How many can relate to what I'm saying? He says, so corrupt your character. He said, come back to your senses. In other words, come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who will ignore, ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. Now watch this. you got to see this. Friends can lift you up or bring you down. Bad friends are ones that go against your morals. you got to get this. That go against your morals, your values, and your character. That go against your morals, your values, and your character. Can I be honest with you? When I started doing the things that I did in my life, I was not proud of them. And you know what was happening? The more I started getting involved in things I shouldn't get involved in, I can see my character starting to decay. And one of the characters that I have in my life is I'm a loving person. But because my morals and my character was decaying, my love was turning into anger. And that anger now was destroying my character. That, CJ, you once were a loving person. Now what is wrong with you? Your character is being deflawed. Your character is being disrupted. What's happening to you? And what happens a lot of times with the people that we associate with, it's subtle. It's a subtle thing that happens in life. It drains or sucks your character away that what was happening happening to me. Here I was a loving person. Now I was an ugly person. I was full of bitterness, anger, and rage. And I didn't even recognize it. And it was gnawing at my character of who I was. It's because I thought it felt good, and therefore I thought it was good. And a lot of times we don't even recognize what it really does to us. You see, it's, your character is the book that people will read about you after you die. Man, he was a great person. He was a great person. I remember in Colorado, and I may have told this story, but I need to tell it again. I did a funeral in Colorado, in Fruta, Colorado, and we did it right at the cemetery. And I'll never forget, when I pulled up, I was looking for cars. I got lost because I thought it was at the wrong cemetery because there was no cars. It was the mortician, his daughter, in me. And I asked his daughter, I said, why is it nobody here? Where is everybody? You know what her words were? This is his daughter. He said his character was horrible, that nobody liked him, that they weren't even there at his funeral. And that's what corruption does. It 
decays. I always tell people, I'd rather wear out than rust out. I'd rather wear out and do what's right for God, show my character, show my love, show my expression of joy to people, than rust out. How do you rust out? The opposite of walking in anger and bitterness. That's how you start to rust out. But if you haven't noticed, uh, what are signs of bad ships? What are signs of bad ships? I'm going to blow through this real quick. I know time's gotten away. Don't stand. Signs of bad ships are this. They don't stand for the things of God. Like I said, I'm just going to blow through it. You can figure it out yourself. They cause you to walk away from your dreams. If you're hanging out with people that don't blow wind into your sail, that don't agree with, man, you, you, need to, you need to look at that and say, hey, what am I doing? They take more than they give. You ever get friends like that? They're always taking and not giving, not depositing back in your life. When you get away from them, you feel drained and empty because they took all they can. Now you feel emotionally bankrupt. They always are causing pain in your life. Whenever you get with them, there's a bunch of drama. You know what I'm talking about? Drama, man, all this stuff. There's another one is this. Uh, it's always their way and not your way, their way or the highway. They gossip about you after you're gone. How I many you know that one? They love you to your face, but after that, man, that turkey head, man, he ain't nothing but a thing, right? And you can figure out the things. They leave you when others seem better. Then they come back when it doesn't work out. How many know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been that kid, the man you thought that these people were your friends until you weren't invited to the party? And then you find out that at school that they had a party and you're like, hey, man, why didn't you tell me? I mean, all I'm talking about. But what are signs of a good ship? And like I said, I'm going to blow right through it. Signs of a good ship. In 1 Samuel chapter 20, I love this story, Molly. I love it. I love the story. It's between Jonathan and David. And there was a bond. There was a covenant. There was an agreement between them. There was such a relationship there. And if you follow the story in 1 Samuel 20, Jonathan's dad, Saul, was jealous of David. He was jealous of David. David was already appointed and anointed to be the next king. And Saul was already jealous of him, that he wanted to take out David. He wanted to kill David. And Jan Jonathan didn't want to believe that. He didn't want to accept that that's my dad. That's my dad. That's my blood. That's my DNA. My dad's not going to do that. But David knew in his heart that his dad or Saul wanted to take him out. So here's what happened. Good ships is this. Friendships are not just about talking, but it's about walking out your talk with each other. So real quick, five important lessons, David and Jonathan's friendship. Number one commitment. They were committed to each other. You see, commitment says this. Commitment says, their agreement says, that honesty, well, excuse me, commitment says, I am committed no matter what's going on and who's involved. And you can read that verse, 1 Samuel 20, verse 4, for the sake of time I'm blowing by it. Commitment is a rock that is not moved under pressure. I'm not going to be your friend one day and not the other. I'm sticking with you through thick and thin. So many times we have passed by our friends. We have just acquaintances. But really deep friends are deep-rooted and committed in the midst of the storm. The second thing you see is honesty. And you can read that again in 1 Samuel 20, verse 3, and you have it on your notes. Verse 13. It talks about honesty. 
being honest with one another. And honesty means this. Honest says, I will speak to truth even if it hurts. You know, a friend is what? One who sharpens iron, sharpens iron. A friend is one who speaks the truth and not just speaks what they want to hear. You see, listen, how you keep one another sharp is keeping one another accountable. You see, your friend is when you see them ready to fall off a cliff, that you're not going to fall off with them or jump with them, but you're going to say, hey, wait, wait, you're going off the cliff. Even if it hurts, you're going to let them know that I love you too much to lose you. Honesty, being honest with, hey, what you're doing right there, that's not right. You see, when you're being honest, you know what that does? It keeps that person accountable. And a lot of times we don't like to be accountable because you know what? It makes us examine ourselves. Honesty speaks the truth in love and not always with a hammer. Let me know what I'm talking about. Number number three, agreement. Agreement. You can read that 1 Samuel uh, 20, verse 16 to 17. Their agreement was to not let anything separate them from each other. You see, a lot of times, you know what the enemy loves to do? He loves to bring in a lot of outside forces to separate you from your friends. How many of you really, you don't have to show hands, but how many of you maybe have walked away from a friendship because maybe there was some confusion that came in within your friendship and it brought pain. And so you walked away from it. But Jonathan and David made an agreement, hey, we're going to stick together through thick and thin. Understand what I'm saying? We're going to stay with it. You see, that's what it says. Have you ever, have you let outside forces break up a friendship that should not have happened? Maybe you sacrificed a friendship that should not have happened. So what are some bad things? What, what breaks up friendships? Let me just go real quick. What breaks up friendships? Number one, resentment and anger. Maybe you're angry and upset at someone. Another one that breaks up friendships is jealousy. Maybe you've gotten jealous over your friend. Maybe they succeeded and they excelled further than you are, and so therefore you're jealous. Unwilling to forgive. Maybe you broke up a friendship because you're unwilling to forgive. And I've always found this to be true. Bitterness doesn't hurt the one who causes it as much as the one who harbors it. And maybe you're holding on to bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness, and you're breaking up a friendship that God intended to be good. Another one that breaks up friendships, always having to be right. You ever get around those people that always have to be right? Or always have to up your story? You have a story, but then they have to up your story. And so therefore, you you got tired of it. Another one is this, not supporting each other's dreams. Not supporting each other's dreams. I get around people that are people that are going to breathe life into me. Man, that brief life, I, I stay away from the nayers and the stairs. I, I stay away from them. I, I stay away. If you want to be a nayer and stayer, you want to stay in that place, that's up to you. You want to stay in that dry place, go ahead. You can have toast all you want. I'm going for the steak. You got to get with the runners and the hunters. You see, there's a difference. You can stay with the stairs and the nayers, or you can get with the runners and the hunters that are doing something in their life. Another one is this, trust. That's a big thing in friendship, trust. And you can read that 1 Samuel 20, verse 18 through 22, trust. Friends will not follow you if they can't trust you. 
How many know what I'm talking about? Trust keeps things between friends and not each other. How many know what I'm talking about? Zip it. You know what I'm talking about? Trust says you can depend on me when things get tough. Wow. Last one is this, and I love this one. Loyalty. 1 Samuel 20, verse 42. Loyalty is there no matter where you are or what you have done, that I'm committed to you for the long haul. I'm committed. I'm loyal. I'm all in. I'm in it to win it with you. That's what loyalty is. I'm in it to win it with you. And when you have that bond and that loyalty, guess what? You're going to snap that person sometimes back to reality when they're going off the edge because they see that you're in it to win it. And so, therefore, they want to do their part too. Loyalty says, I believe in you even if you've done something wrong. You love the sinner, but you hate the sin. And you stick in there and you walk them through. One of the greatest stories, and I'm going to close with this, the greatest story in the Word of God is when Jesus went to the leper. And the whole town, the whole town, man, was against this leper. And they cast him out of the town. But you know what Jesus did? When the leper was cast out of town, guess what Jesus did? Everybody forsaken. Leper, leper, unclean, unclean. He was labeled. But you know what Jesus did? Right in front of the crowd that was yelling, leper, leper, he grabbed them by the hand. You know what he did? He marched them outside of town. And you know what he did outside of town? He healed them. Jesus was in it to win it. And you know what he after he did? He brought them back into town and said, look at me, I'm Sandra D. It's because, listen, Jesus is in it to win it. He's loyal to you. And friendship is being loyal in the good and the bad. Loyalty doesn't quit on each other during the stormy seasons of your relationship. How many of you know we're going to have that? My son is in Arizona right now. And uh, he's liking it. But he said, Dad, he said, I have to be honest with you. There are times I miss the snow. He wants to come back, no snowmobiling. There are times I miss the trees because there's all cactus out there. And he misses the four seasons. In a relationship, in a relationship, I wish I could tell you there's always going to be mountaintop experiences. But in any relationship, whether it's your marriage, with your kids, with friends, there's going to be seasons. But it's not a time to quit and give up on each other. If there's a time in our lives right now we need each other, it's now. So here's my challenge to you. Challenge you, encourage you, inspire you. My challenge to you is to take your phone and call someone that maybe you haven't called in a while. Or send a card to someone maybe you haven't talked to in a while. Let them know how much you care. And the third thing is, Maybe, maybe, just maybe, God wants you to rekindle a friendship again with that person. And it has to start with you. You're waiting for the knock on the door. 
but why don't you be the door knocker and knock on their door? Will you stand with me this morning? I encourage you, let's go bombard the poor house. We're going to make it a rich house today, amen? We're going to make it a rich house, but let's, let's, uh, let's do that today. Let's, let's go bless them. I, I talked to Greg and, and uh, Sue, the owners there, and they're, they're excited about us coming. But can I pray over you this morning? Thank you for your patience. I, I know sometimes I go long. I'm a long-winded. I told you I'm a balloon that's ready to pop. Blame it on prayer. Blame it on men's. Blame it on the wilderness. And pop goes the weasel, and the weasel said pop. There it is, right? But let me, let me pray over you this morning. And I pray that God will bless you. I truly do. Father, I thank you for this wonderful congregation. I thank you for my friend that is here today, Michael Swanson and Lucy. It's so great to see that, God, what you're doing in his life. Prayer truly does work. Lord, if we, if we prayed more than talked less, we would see greater results. And I pray, God, for every individual here today. Put it upon our hearts to maybe rekindle a friendship with someone, to reach out to someone that we haven't even seen here at church in a while. But let us be a friendly church. Let us be a loving church. Let us be a caring church that looks around and says, hey, where is so-and-so? Where are they at? Let's reach out and touch someone. And, Father, I praise you and thank you that there are those here today that maybe have a bitterness in their heart towards someone or somebody. Pray that they make a choice to let it go and that be the door knocker and knock on that house again or that heart again. And I thank you, Father, for that, that you are restoring. Bless this congregation. Thank you for them. And bless the food as we all gather together at the poorhouse. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Now, come on, give the Lord praise. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If this message has encouraged you in any way, please consider giving to Adventure Church to help continue this ministry. Giving is safe and easy through our website at www.adventurechurchsiren.com. Thank you for your generous support.